This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. My name is Kate Copsey, and I am the host of the show. You can contact me from my webpage, katecopsey.com, or through America's Web Radio Station site. This morning's show is sponsored by our friends at Bonnie Plants. Thank you to them. Today, we are going to be talking with Jodie Helmer, the author of Farm Fresh Georgia. Good morning, Jodie. Good morning, Kate. Okay, Jody, uh, let's start a little with your background and how you came to be interested in finding sources for farm fresh foods, particularly down in Georgia and the South. Well, it's sort of a, an interesting story. I did not grow up on a farm. I grew up in the suburbs of Toronto, um, where there was a whole lot of concrete and not a whole lot of gardens. But I went to a farm for the first time when I was 14, and while I was there, I saw a a cow giving birth. It was a dairy farm, and there was a Holstein there, and she calved while I was on the farm, and I just became so fascinated with the whole idea of farming and very quickly realized that it was probably not the best occupation for me So when I fell into freelance writing in 2002, um, there was sort of this resurgence in the interest of locally grown food and the whole idea of know your farmer, know your food. And it became one of the topics that I got really passionate about writing about. And so I've had the opportunity over the last 12 years to visit farms and write about farming and farmers markets and other aspects of agriculture but certainly food is one of my favorite farm-related things to cover. Wonderful. Um, We're going to be going more into farm markets um, in the next segment, Um, but let's talk a little about the atmosphere of a farm market uh, that makes them a great place for families as well as buying great vegetables because I, I find that children really enjoy the family atmosphere there and people can take uh, dogs and things like that. Um, so it's, not, it's more than just great fresh vegetables. Right. I think that farmer's markets are a really great place to shop because there's a real sort of festive atmosphere at a farmer's market. There are always all sorts of things going on, whether it's vendors giving out samples or chefs doing demonstrations or special events like strawberry festivals or peach festivals that have an educational component. So there's always something to sort of see and do that makes it a lot more lively and engaging than a regular supermarket. And I think that's why people really like farmer's markets. The other thing is that it's a really great opportunity to connect with the farmers who grow the food. So it's a real conversation with the person who has nurtured whatever it is you're purchasing, whether it's, you know, a side of beef or a tomato, from start to finish. And they always have great stories about the process and also really great recipes to share. And you just don't get that level of engagement at a regular supermarket either. 
Oh, absolutely. And I think farm markets are wonderful places for families with young children in strollers and toddlers and even dogs. Um, and I always associate them with summer mornings. Right, right, absolutely. That's the best time to go. Okay, um, so obviously farm markets aren't the only place that people can go to to get farm fresh food. So let's, what about some of the options uh, for getting farm fresh food if maybe people can't make the Saturday morning when the farm markets are all open? What other options are there out there for people to maybe utilize? Absolutely. Well, it's important to note that while most farmers markets are on weekend mornings, there are several that host weeknight events for that reason, because people get busy on Saturday mornings or they want to sleep in or they just don't make it to the market. And so there are lots of farmers markets that have a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday night event where it makes it easier for you to swing by after work. But if that's not an option, There are lots of farms that have on-farm stands where you can swing by the farm and grab produce. And those options may be a little more limited. For example, if you want to swing by a farm that has sweet corn and they're selling it from a stand, a roadside stand, you know, they, they may be limited to sweet corn. They may not have the other fruits and vegetables or meats or eggs that you're looking for. But it is certainly an option for getting farm fresh foods right from the farm stand. There are also lots of great pick-your-own farms. And I just think it's so much fun to go out in the summer and pick berries. And I even encountered a few farms that had pick-your-own vegetables, which is sort of a unique take on that concept. So you can certainly get farm fresh foods that way. And then there are a lot of really great little grocery stores or food co-ops that partner with local farmers, and they have a lot of locally produced options as well, and they have more of a traditional supermarket atmosphere, although on a much smaller scale, and they'll be open more traditional supermarket hours to give you expanded options for shopping, but their main focus is on farm fresh foods, local foods. Oh, and I think farm stands are wonderful. I know when we were in Ohio, I was coming back from the supermarket one day, and I don't know whether this is more prevalent in rural areas, but there was a little handmade sign that said sweet corn and an arrow pointing down um, a little subdivision lane. And I went down down there, and the man that was doing this... um, I guess he just enjoyed growing and all the fresh produce, he couldn't eat it all himself, so he put it out on a stand and it was on the honour system. Um, But I I got to chat to him a little bit over the time that we were there. Um, And so that's maybe um, another option. And I, I remember this gentleman was actually using the money, I guess he was donating it to the church. It is a great idea. And you're right, there are lots of little hand-painted signs here and there in rural America that you can follow down off in a gravel road and find a great little farm stand just sitting on the side of the road. And a lot of them are on the honor system, which I still find a little surprising, but the farmers that I talk to who do honor system sales say that they've really never had a problem, which I think is fabulous. So yes, don't be afraid to follow those signs down dirt roads to see where they lead because you could end up finding a great source for sweet corn or tomatoes or squash or whatever is in season. 
and I think think there was one when we were down down in uh, Roswell, Georgia, and one of my friend friends down there. It was just round the corner from us. She stopped, um, and she actually became great friends with the farmer. And I believe um, her name was Renee Winchester, and she actually wrote a book um, about her experience getting to know this guy and his garden. I think that was called In the Garden with Billy. Um, so you actually can become great friends. And I found when you do make that effort, um, pe- the people that are growing the stuff they love to have a conversation about uh, how they're grow- growing it and where they're growing it, and they just love talking about their veggies. Absolutely. I definitely discovered as I was researching this book that farmers are really passionate about what they do, and they do really want to talk to their customers about how the food was grown and how they think it's best to prepare it, and they're very willing to share samples you know, and encourage you to try different things to see if you like them. And, you know, the more that you do visit a farm stand or a farmer's market, the better a farmer will get to know you. And so, you know, you can develop these relationships, and they sort of know what you're looking for, and they're looking out for you, and they will say to you, well, I know you really enjoyed my spinach last week, so this week why don't you try something different? You know, this is a different kind of spinach or a different variety of corn than the one you bought last time, and and I think you'll really like it. And so it's a great way to have a, a really strong connection with the person who grows your food. Yes, and it is a great way to get to know uh, the local farmer. Um, but let's uh, go back to farm markets for a minute and talk about some of what I would call market etiquette. Um, would I be right that most markets or farmers are on farm market stands, they don't appreciate maybe the haggle um, approach to their produce? Is that right? Well, you know, I don't think it's a great idea to haggle the price um, Farmers don't make a whole lot of money off of their produce. It's, you know, it's a very labor-intensive, expensive occupation, and we have a real tendency to look for cheap food in this country. I think we've lost some uh, recognition of the actual value of food, and because we can get so much cheap produce in particular at supermarkets that's been shipped in from other countries, we may have a tendency to go to a farmer's market and have a little bit of sticker shock, but I don't think it's a great idea to say to the farmer, hey, listen, I can get these blueberries at the supermarket for half the price because, you know, the reality is that the supermarket blueberries have been shipped in from another country where they have different labor rules and different practices, and, you know, they've been shipped a long way, so the taste is different, and you know, you, you're not supporting the local community. So I think there are a lot of good reasons to pay sticker price and not haggle at the market. Having said that, if you go to the farmer's market toward the end when the farmers are packing up, they don't necessarily want to take that produce home. It's not going to keep at peak freshness for another week before they can get back to the market. So I think it's okay to say can you give me a bit of a break on these if I take what you have left? But don't necessarily expect half price or 75% off. It's not a vegetable clearance sale. You know, a farmer may give you a bit of a discount so that he doesn't have to cart the food home and risk it, it spoiling, but it's, it definitely is standard practice to pay the full fee and to really just acknowledge and appreciate the work that that farmer has put in to producing that food Because it really, really is, when you think about all of the work and all of the effort and all of the costs, 
it's a really great value, even if, you know, you're paying $5 for a pint of blueberries. Yes, and I do think that, you know, particularly maybe towards the end of a market, if you're buying, say, a pound of tomatoes, they're quite apt to maybe put an extra couple in, not necessarily to get rid of the produce, but maybe to give you maybe a couple of different tomatoes um, in there just to try um, because of that appreciation of the, the customer. And I think that's a great part of farm markets as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about maybe the denominations of money that you might need at a market. Um, I know a 20 sometimes isn't appreciated maybe at the beginning of the market if you're only paying $2 for something. It needs an awful lot of change. So what sort of denominations do we need? Quarters and dollars and just a few of the 10s and 20s? What sort of denominations do you think works at, at a market? You know, I think it depends on how much you plan to buy. Certainly if you're buying meat... Having 20s is no problem because the cost of meat quickly adds up. But if you're buying a tomato here and a pint of blueberries there, absolutely farmers appreciate small change. So I always go with a handful of $1 bills because even if what I'm buying is a little more expensive, paying them in ones means they have change the next time a customer comes up and may only have a 20 and need a lot of change. So I always try to take small bills. You know, we need to go for our first commercial break here, but we will be right back talking more with Jody Helmer about finding farm fresh food on America's homegrown veggies, and we'll be back in just a moment. When gardening is part of your life, it brings so much. Healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt. At BonniePlants.com, you'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow bonnie veggie and herb plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. Quick Stakes. That's Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggies Show. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at America's Homegrown Veggies. And if you miss any shows, you can find them on americaswebradio.com webpage and you can find them on iTunes and Stitchers. This morning, we are talking with Jody Helmer about Farm Fresh Georgia. But much of what we talked about, I think, can be probably translated into other areas. Is that correct, Jody? Absolutely, yes. The markets in Georgia are very representative of the markets across the country. 
Yes, and I think most people now have cloth bags rather than um, the plastic bags, which I know a lot of communities are now frowning upon. Um, so how does um, the farm market react to, to that? Because I know sometimes farmers, um, you know, they have their, their own bags. Um, do they appreciate you bringing your own bag to put the, the vegetables in? I would say that it would be very rare for someone in this day and age not to have their own cloth bags. Um, the trick is remembering to take them with you. And I do think that you see a lot of people at the farmer's market with canvas bags or cloth bags because the people who shop at the farmer's market tend to be people who are pretty environmentally aware and pretty concerned about waste and those sorts of things. And so it's very common for people to take their own bags to the farmer's market. The farmer certainly is not going to be shocked if you show up with your own bag and will happily place the produce right in your bag instead of using one of their bags or containers. It helps them really to be a little bit more efficient if you've got your own bag, and it certainly helps them cut down on their costs because they're not having to provide bags. Um, it's also just really good for the environment. I mean, if you are really concerned about buying local foods, which have a much lighter environmental impact than foods that are shipped in from across the country or somewhere else in the world, then it just makes sense to be concerned about the use of plastic bags. So canvas bags are absolutely common at farmer's markets, and I think they're a really great way to carry around produce, you know, some of that produce can get really heavy. So it's nicer to have a canvas bag you can slip over your shoulder as opposed to carrying plastic bags in your hands. Yes, and, and maybe take a couple of them because you don't want, obviously, the blueberries and the strawberries to end up un being crushed underneath maybe the, the onions. Um, but let's talk about um, some of the differences between markets, um, maybe between um, the seasonal and the year-round markets. Apart from the obvious, uh, as how many weeks each one run, um, what are some of the differences between the two? And is one maybe better than the other for getting fresh food? A lot of year-round markets have what are called resellers, which means that the vendors are not necessarily growing the food. They're buying it from elsewhere and selling it. And a lot of times the food that they're buying from elsewhere is elsewhere in the country or elsewhere in the world. Because certainly if you're at a farmer's market in New York, you cannot buy blueberries that are locally grown in January, and you can't buy tomatoes that are locally grown in March. So in order to keep the booths filled, what you'll see is a lot of vendors who are not farmers. They're called resellers, and they're reselling produce, similar to what you would find in the supermarket. The other thing that you see a lot more at year-round markets is an increase in the number of people who are selling baked goods, or preserved products like jam and honey and other things that they have likely made from local fresh ingredients, but these are things that they can make early and keep for a while so that they can sell them at the winter markets. Things like bread, um, eggs, of course, are year-round. And then you'll see some things like crafts and other non-food items to sort of round out those year-round markets because they're just isn't, depending on where you live, a lot of um, produce that's available all year. 
And I think seasonal markets particularly can have a lot of variety in what they sell. Um, and I know that there are specific rules as to everything has to be grown by yourself. And I know there was one market I, I was familiar with where a gentleman was just selling mushrooms. He had to have 20 or 30 different varieties of mushrooms. There were pink ones and big ones and little, little ones and many different sorts. Um, so I think that's another advantage of the markets. But of course, everything has to be within X amount of miles or just grown by the one farmer on one site. Is that right? Absolutely. There are producers that certainly specialize in certain things, whether it's someone who just sells mushrooms or someone who just sells eggs. Um, the difficulty is in finding them at year-round markets, the options are a little more limited. When you're going to a seasonal market, you tend to find more of those rules you talked about where the um, they're called producer-only markets, which means that the farmer must have grown the produce that he or she is selling. And Often, those producer-only markets have rules about the distance um, that the farm must be from the market. So one of my favorite local markets here, all of the food must be produced within 50 miles of the market. And those kinds of rules are much easier to enforce in seasonal markets because there are far more vendors who fit that bill. Um, And so in seasonal markets, you'll find a lot more diversity, I think, because there are farmers who specialize in specific crops, whether it's peaches or mushrooms or eggs or maybe even beef, and they're there for a few months of the year selling their crops while they're specifically in season. And those markets I prefer because you're getting sort of the peak freshness, peak ripeness foods that have been produced very locally and taste the best because they've just been picked that morning or the night before in preparation for market. And I just think there's no way to beat that farm fresh flavor. And I think that's part of the joy of going to a farm market to see all that variety. But let's talk a little about some of the seasonal things. I know that markets seem to start with um, strawberries, which tend to be the first major crop in the season. Um, so the northern ones tend to start maybe the beginning of June or may- maybe mid-May. Um, is, is that typical of most areas that uh, they start with the straw- strawberries and then go on from there? It's about April in Georgia, but it definitely depends on where you are in the country. So, you know, farmer's markets vary in terms of when they start and end. Some will, you know, run from March to October. Some will run from May to December. It really depends a lot on the growing region that you're in. You know, a farmer's market in Florida or California certainly can have a lot more longevity than a farmer's market in, say, Minnesota or New York. So when the early season of the market arrives, um, what other, apart from strawberries, um, which is the obvious one, what other things might be around in those very early, the early part of the, the seasonal markets? In early season farm markets, you'll find a lot of greens. So things like bok choy and collard greens and spinach. And again, this is very seasonally you know, um, or geographically dependent. So this will really depend on where you are. In Georgia, early season, you'll find Brussels sprouts and um, carrots and mushrooms and sweet potatoes. A lot of those foods are available right now, actually. 
Oh, that's interesting because I would have thought those things would have, like Brussels, would have been maybe a late season crop. No, those are between in Georgia between January and March. Those those crops come out. So when do what I would call the the summer crops, like the uh, maybe the tomatoes and the peaches, when do those start to arrive in the markets? Those in Georgia, those crops are between April and September. So those sort of mid-season crops, April to September, you'll see things like peaches and corn and strawberries and cucumbers and blueberries. A lot of the foods that we associate specifically with those great summer farmer's markets or great summer grilling foods come out between April and September in Georgia. And I think just like in the garden, everybody waits for that first tomato to arrive or the first peach. Those seem to be the kind of the milestones of summer. Absolutely, absolutely. So what about maybe the the later season um, crops? Um, I know a lot of them go quite late into the year to Thanksgiving or at least Halloween with pumpkins and things. So what other things are maybe late season in the market? Towards the end of the season, one of the Georgia favorites is pecans. Those come out, you know, around September, October in Georgia, and that's a really traditional Georgia crop. And so you'll see those late season You'll also see things like squash and turnips and other greens like arugula. Things like beets also come out late season. Um, and then you'll also see some early season vegetables returning. So things like broccoli and Brussels sprouts and cabbage. A lot of those things that we associate with sort of heartier fall meals like soups and stews come out in the late season. And would it be right that most of the farmers, particularly on farm markets, the small ones, um, they don't use a lot of pesticides and herbicides on the uh, produce? I would say that varies widely depending on the farmer. So there are certainly farmers that grow completely organically or um, with a certified naturally grown approach. And then there are farmers that still produce vegetables using lots of chemicals. And one of the best things about the farmer's market is you can ask the farmer how it was grown um, because they'll have information about whether or not they're using pesticides and chemicals, and then you can decide whether it's important to you to buy something that is organic or certified naturally grown or whether having a local source of produce is enough and you're not so concerned about the chemicals. But there are certainly a lot of farmers who are still using conventional farming methods, which is pretty chemical, intense approaches to growing food. So it's organic is getting a lot more popular, but it's certainly not the norm. And I think the actual cost of go, going fully certified organic may, maybe is beyond most of the small farmers. But having talked to a few of them, the cost of chemicals is also very high. And they prefer to at least limit um, the, the use of them to a min, minimal um, and maybe go as much as they can in the or, um, natural and organic way. Um, I've actually heard the opposite is true. The thing about using chemicals is that even on a small scale is that you can get um, a better yield and you're not so worried about insect or um, pest infestation because you can control it. So you're not, you don't have as much crop loss. It's very, it's very labor-intensive to grow organically. And you're right, it is really expensive from a certification standpoint. So 
There are lots of reasons that small farmers are still using chemicals. Um, yeah, it's more common than, than I would like, but it's, it's fairly common. And, of course, you can just ask the farmer, and I'm sure they will tell you. But we need to take another quick commercial break here, but I want to remind you that you're listening to America's Homegrown Veggies, and we'll be back with more with Jody Helmer talking about Farm Fresh Georgia and everywhere else. We will be right back. When gardening is part of your life, it brings so much. Healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt. At BonniePlants.com, you'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow Bonnie veggie and herb plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory. Ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Quick stakes. That's Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quicksteak.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I am the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are talking with Jody Helmer about her new book called Farm Fresh Georgia. And Jody, we talked about farm markets in the last segment, so let's talk about some of the other places where we can get great, fresh, locally grown produce. Um, there's farm stands and um, pick your own farm. So let's t- start with the farm stands. How much difference are they between getting it on a farm stand by the road and maybe the farm market run by that same farmer? There isn't a lot of difference. Um, Typically what you'll see is that farmers who sell on the farmer's market may also have small stands right on their farm. So people who live near the farm and don't make it to the market can stop by and grab produce outside of market hours. So it's a very similar setup in that they are displaying and selling 
the produce or eggs or whatever that they're growing. I've even seen some farm stands with little coolers hooked up where they sell things like milk if it's a dairy or meat if it's, you know, a, a, a ranch. Um, and so they're doing the exact same thing. A lot of the farm stands that I encountered in Georgia were unstaffed. So the farmer sets the produce out in the morning and leaves a box for the honor system. So there's not maybe a chance to interact with the farmer as much as there would be at the farmer's market, but it's still a great way to get right fresh produce right from the farm. So that's definitely an option. Yes, I think many of them are unmanned, but the few that I have seen that may, may be unmanned, it tends to sometimes be the next generation. They rotate, particularly the older kids around, um, to maybe help with the farm. Oh, it certainly can be. I mean, I definitely encountered very young children who were willing to help at a farm stand, help me out and load produce into my car and help me pick things, and that was great. And then sometimes it was, you know, the farmer who had someone else working out, doing most of the work out in the fields, and he or she was, you know, kind of in semi-retirement and manning the farm stand that way. So there's no um, sort of typical way that it happens, and it's a really great way to get onto the farm and sort of see where the produce is grown and get an idea of where it's coming from and what the operation looks like. And if there's someone there that you can talk to who's manning the farm stand, it's a great way to ask questions too. So how do we actually find these farm stands? I know that some maybe have a little sign that say tomatoes this way. Um, but with farm markets, for instance, you can go online and you can find a, a, a list of farm markets and find the nearest one to you. Do the farm stands typically belong to farms that have websites where you can see that type of thing? Um, and if they have a farm stand, or is it just by chance when you go down a road that you notice the sign? I think it's a little bit of both. It depends largely on the farm. There are a lot of farms nowadays that actually have their own websites, and they'll have information on their websites about farm market hours if they have farm markets. And so that would be my first stop, would be to see if the farm has some sort of a website that announces that it has a farm market. Um, Otherwise, you know, some states put out publications um, that include that kind of information, So in Georgia, for example, Georgia Organics puts out a good food guide, they call it, and they have lists of farms where you can stop by to buy produce directly from the farm. So, And, you know, farmers have Facebook pages. And if in doubt, I would just call the farm and say, do you have an on-farm market or an opportunity for me to come and buy produce directly from the farm? And if they do, they'll, they'll give you all of the information. Otherwise, you may have to chance upon something as you're driving down the street. Oh, I think it's great when you're just driving down a country lane and you come across one of the signs or you come across a farm stand. It's just a wonderful feeling. Um, But let's turn now to maybe pick your own farms. Um, That tends to start with the strawberry season. And usually, generally, they're, they're a good afternoon for a family. But I remember from my youth, we used to go to some of the, these farms or, or out ga- gathering and we used to get so much and then you had to come home and you were canning it um, and that was the whole idea to get a, get a whole bulk of stuff um, to can and uh, freeze. Um, it, can you go just for a few, um, maybe a small amount? Oh, absolutely. You could go buy a pint of strawberries. You could pick a pint of strawberries. So they're very flexible in terms of 
what you can do when you're on the farm. If you want to just go and get a pint of strawberries or, you know, five or six peaches, you can absolutely do that. If you want to take a five-gallon bucket and pick that many strawberries or blueberries or apples or whatever because you plan to make jam or preserves or pies, you can do that too. Farmers are really willing to work with you to make sure that you get what you need, whether it's just a quick, you know, snack for after dinner or it's something that you want to pick enough that you can preserve and use the rest of the year. There's, you know, there are all sorts of options and don't be afraid to ask. So if you see the sign at the pick your own and it says they've got four different sizes available, don't be afraid to say, hey, I've got, actually got a five-gallon bucket um, and I don't see that size here. Would you sell me five gallons of peaches and how much would you charge for that? Because they'll absolutely work with you. Okay. Um, and I know this is a great thing for a family to go on, um, but sometimes kids can be a little unruly, particularly when they're bored. So I'm wondering um, what type of age group usually is good to start taking them, maybe so that they can learn, learn about the, the fruits and maybe be helped picking the fruits for you? I think you really have to know your children. Um, I think, you know, there are, of course, some rules you want to follow when you're on a farm and you're picking produce. With smaller plants like strawberries, you want to make sure that you don't have toddlers that are running all along the rows and breaking the plants and wreaking havoc on the farm. So if you feel like your two-year-old is too small for that, then leave them at home. Um, but having said that, I have seen plenty of families at pick, in pick-your-own fields where they've got a child who's in a stroller and they're handing them a berry every now and again between the rows for a little eating while they're picking. And I've seen lots of little you know, preschool kids who are happily picking alongside mom or dad. So I think you just want to be respectful of the farm and the plants and the other families or people who may be picking, but if you feel like your child can behave well and pick strawberries or blueberries or peaches, I think it's a great adventure. There is never, ever a bad time to introduce your child to where their food comes from, and um, I think it's just a great day out to say, here's you know where the apple comes from. It doesn't come from the supermarket. It grows on this tree, or we pick strawberries from these little tiny plants that are you know, nourished from tiny seedlings in the soil, and this is where your food comes from, I think it gives them a new appreciation. So don't be afraid to take your children to a farmer's market or a U-Pick. Um, I would say leave your pets at home. Um, I, I am a dog lover. I have a lot of dogs. Um, but a U-Pick is certainly not the place for them. They will run all over the rows, even if they're well-behaved. And, you know, it's just too tempting for them to start sniffing around and eating as well. So okay to take well-behaved children, but definitely leave your pets at home. And I do think it's great, particularly for young children. You know, when they see strawberries, they learn to tell whether it's ripe or not, um, particularly with the white and the red. And it, it's a great education for them. Um, but farms, pick your own farms in general. Um, do they tend to be um, one crop farms like strawberries and or blueberries and that's it? Or do you find that there are multi-crop 
farms. Like maybe you're picking the strawberries in this farm one week and you're picking the blueberries in that uh, that next field the next month. Um, and may- maybe you rotate between the fields so you can get a, a year's full of, of produce. I think it really depends on the farm. I mean, some farms definitely specialize in a specific crop. You know, there were some farms in Georgia that I visited that specialized specifically in strawberries or blueberries, and they just had they had a diverse operation within that fruit. So, for example, they would um, only grow strawberries, but they would sell them through U-Pick, or they would turn them into pies or jam or preserves and sell those as well. Um, but that was the only thing that they grew or sold was, you know, strawberries or strawberry-related products, for example. And then I visited other farms where they were very diverse. And as you said, they had strawberries for a few months for you pick, and then the blueberries came on, and they had those for you pick, um, or they had blackberries. So, you know, it's really it really depends. I even went to a farm, as I mentioned earlier, that had vegetables for you pick. So you could go and pick tomatoes and peas and beans and cucumbers and pick your own vegetables, which was a little more rare, but still a lot of fun. And they had five acres of fields that you could choose from different vegetables. So it really does depend on the farm and the farmer as to what they're growing and what, you know, what kind of operation that they have um, to offer to the public. And I think you can get a certain amount of education along with the UPIC, which is great healthy food. Um, I know there's one um, near my mother in, in England um, that does... Um, all the, the crops are, are labelled and, and you've got the raspberries and the blackberries and the gooseberries and the currants and they've all got labels of which variety. So when, if there's a particular black currant that you like, you, you know which one it is, you know whether it's a Concord or whatever and then you can go home and you can order that from a retailer and know that you're getting exactly the same type of, not just crop, but the same sort of plant or shrub as well, which means it's a, an, an all-round education. Absolutely, absolutely. And are these um, pick-your-own-farms a little like farm stands that some are manned and some are on the honor system? Um, Again, it really depends on the farm. So some are on the honor system where you leave money in a box and take the size of the container that you've paid for. And others, particularly larger operations, have staff. So um, there's no one-size-fits-all you-pick operation. But... It, it just really depends on the farm. So I would say even if no one is there to say, hey, no pets are allowed, it's still probably a better idea to leave your pets at home. What about hours? Um, are they usually dawn to dusk or maybe just between normal, what would be called business hours, maybe 10 till 4? Again, it really is dependent on the farm. So some are, you know, sun up to sundown. Anytime you want to come by, you can pick. Others are maybe just Saturday and Sunday. You know, some um, some farmers are working a number of fields and juggling a number of different crops, and so they may not always be able to be in the UPIC area, and that's why they may have limited hours. And other farms may base their whole business model around the UPIC operation, and so they're there all day, every day. Um, so it really just depends. I did visit a farm that had UPIC tomatoes, And they were telling me, of course, they lived there. Um, Their house was right behind the tomato field. And they were telling me that a woman drove up late one night. It was dark. And they were in the house in their pajamas. And 
um, they saw someone drive up, and she said, I just need a few tomatoes. And the farmer actually went out with a flashlight and held the flashlight for her so she could see the tomatoes in the dark. He was in his pajamas and um, made sure that she got what she needed. So the, the options are really, really varied depending on the farm and the farmer. What a what a wonderful story. Um, but, you know, we need to take our final commercial break here, but come back and listen to more about Farm Fresh Georgia with Jody Helmer on America's homegrown veggies, and we'll be right back. When gardening is part of your life, it brings so much. Healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt. At BonniePlants.com, you'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow bonnie veggie and herb plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants. This is Cheryl Linker, host of the Master Gardener Hour on America's Web Radio, Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Join us as we keep things fun and interesting as we educate you in the world of master gardening. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. hope you're enjoying America's homegrown veggie show this morning. Um, we have been talking with Farm Fresh Georgia with author Jody Helmer. Um, Ju- Jody, the book is already on the market. Is that right? Yes, the book came out last month and it is available in most major bookstores as well as Amazon.com. Is it being sold on farm markets as well as in bookstores? Farmers markets will carry it. Some farms in Georgia are carrying it. So, there, yeah, there are definitely other what you would call alternative places aside from bookstores and online booksellers that are carrying the book as well. And apart from the people that are actually living in Georgia that can use it, I would imagine if people are visiting um, Georgia or are intending to visit, they could maybe get it from uh, get a copy of this so that they'd know where to find the farm markets during their visit and great places to eat. And it was designed, as you said, as sort of a hybrid book. So I think it would be interesting to people in Georgia who are looking for new and exciting things to do on vacation or on weekends, but also for people who are visiting the state and are really interested in locally grown food and agriculture and want to know where they should go. So how exactly do we use the book? Maybe if somebody um, was new to the, a different area of Georgia, maybe they just moved to Athens and they wanted to find um, locally grown farm, farm fresh foods. Um, how would they use this book to help them? That's a great question. So the book is divided into five sort of geographical regions. And um, within each region, the book is further divided into different categories. So there are categories like farms and farmers markets and farm-to-table restaurants and you picks and wineries and those sorts of things. So if you know that you live in Athens and you want to go to a winery on the weekend, you can see what's in your area by looking in the book. And of course, if you're doing a road trip down, down from Athens to Savannah, you could take the book along with you, right? Absolutely. And I hope people will do that. I hope that they will use it as sort of a an inspiration for things to see in a new place or 
places to stop along the way from one destination to another. And you also mentioned, Jody, that you include um, the farm-to-table part. And is that becoming very popular down, down in that area? It's becoming really popular, especially in major cities. So if you're going, if you live in Atlanta or Savannah or Athens or Augusta or you're visiting those places, you can absolutely find great farm-to-table restaurants that are really focused on serving local produce and meat, and the flavors are just outstanding. And what about restaurants that have their own attached farm? Is that becoming a popular idea as well? There are a couple of those. In fact, there was one restaurant in Atlanta called Echo that has a farm on its roof. It's a very small farm, and they don't certainly produce everything that they need in the kitchen, but they do have a great selection of herbs and some vegetables, and the chef and the kitchen staff will shimmy up a drain pipe to um, collect the vegetables, and then they have this you know, basket on a pulley system that they lower back down and they um, use those things in the kitchen. So there are all sorts of really creative things that are happening in restaurants related to using farm fresh food. <laughs> well, that would most certainly be worth watching. Um, and what about the wineries? Are they fa- fairly numerous down there uh, geographically um, for people to go visit? Um, you know, it really depends. Georgia has sort of two specific types of wines. Georgia has some great wine regions, and they have two specific kinds of wines. Um, They're either made from muscadine grapes, which are more common in the southern part of the state, or they're made from vinifera grapes, which are more common in the northern part of the state. So if you're looking for um, wineries, you know, your best bet is sort of in the sort of the Blue Ridge Mountain area. There are some great wineries and vineyards there. And then in the Piedmont region of Georgia, there are also some really great wineries. And the Piedmont region is sort of the southwest corner of the state. There are also some great wineries. But there are, you know, wineries in most of the regions in Georgia that are worth a visit. And if we're down in Georgia and we find you, um, are you doing any book signings and that type of thing so people can get a signed copy? Absolutely, yeah. I've been, since the book has come out, I've been, um, you know, working on a little bit of a promotional tour and book tour to spread the word about Farm Fresh Georgia. So I've been at some conferences and events and I have some signings coming up and I have a great list of events on my website, which is farmfreshgeorgia.com. There's an an ongoing event listing there to see if I'm coming to your region. And you mentioned that you have a blog on there as well. What type of things do you put on the blog? There is a blog on the site as well, and I am am working on adding some new posts that are just related to different aspects of Georgia agriculture. So, for example, Georgia is known for its Vidalia onions, and I put a post up about what a Vidalia onion is and why it's special. So there's little you know, nuggets and information related to Georgia agriculture that appear on the blog. And what about social media? Um, Things like Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and all those types of things. Um, Farm for Georgia is not on Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest. Um, I am on all three sites. Um, My Twitter handle is at Jody Helmer, um, and you can find me there. I haven't just. I have not been doing as much social media um, related to the book. It's getting harder and harder to get 
noticed in all of the social media um, clutter. So I'm, I'm really focusing on the website and on doing appearances and things where I can connect with people one-on-one and really talk about, you know, what, what's happening with the book and, and what's happening in Georgia agriculture. And what about talks in the area? Do you go out to different groups to talk about this whole idea that you take books with you and maybe you can get a book signed that way too? Absolutely. So I'll be doing things like Georgia Agriculture Trivia Nights and talks about the importance of agritourism and talks about the importance of shopping at the farmer's market and buying local food and all of those sorts of things. That's definitely part of the ongoing promotional effort as far as the book is concerned. I think it's really important to sort of engage with people and get them excited about Georgia agriculture and shopping local. You know, that's really what the book is all about, and I want to engage people in those conversations and and get them as excited as I am. If somebody wanted to invite you to their event, how would they, what is the best way maybe to contact you for that? You can contact me through farmfreshgeorgia.com. Um, or through my personal website, which is jodyhelmer.com, and it's J-O-D-I-H-E-L-M-E-R.com. So that would give them a a way of contacting you to invite you to one of their events. Um, And do you give talks um, outside the Georgia area? I do venture outside Georgia to talk, actually, yes. Um, So that's an option, too. If someone is interested in having me speak in another area, Um, then I'm happy to do that as well. And I should say that although this book is Farm Fresh Georgia, I'm actually based in North Carolina, um, which is a bit of an interesting twist. So I was a visitor to Georgia while I was researching this book. Um, So I'm actually based in North Carolina. (laughs) And did you do one then for the Carolinas as well as the Georgia one? I did not write Farm Fresh North Carolina. Another author named Diane Daniel wrote that book. Um, I did write a travel guidebook to Charlotte that was uh, published in 2010, and it's called Moon Charlotte. And it's a more general travel guidebook, so it's not agritourism specific. But um, it is a great option for people who are visiting Charlotte and want to know what to see and do while they're here. And did you do that type of book for any other town in Georgia, or was it just the one? I've not, no. My other books are more on sustainable living. So they have sort of the same vein and the importance of buying local and supporting the environment and things, but they're far more sort of general interest books than region-specific. Somebody went to Amazon.com and put in Jodie Helmer. How many books would actually come up that were yours? There would be four books that come up. This is Farm Fresh Georgia is my fourth book. Oh, that's great. Um, and did they all come out through the same publisher? I believe it was the uh, University Press. This came out through the University of North Carolina Press, UNC Press, and it was my first experience with UNC Press. The other books were published through different publishers. Um, and I hope to be working with UNC Press on another book in the future. They've, it's been a really great experience, and uh, I'm eager to continue working with them. So we just have a minute or two left, Jody. So if somebody who had your book and they were coming to Georgia, what would you say as a parting thought, um, the first thing that they should maybe look at and, and seek out? I would say, you know, just look for something that really excites you. There are so many great options in Georgia when it comes to agritourism. You can meet alpacas. You can pick strawberries. You can go out um, on a, a boat and do some 
fishing and, you know, have that experience. I mean, there, there are all sorts of great options to get engaged with Georgia agriculture. And it's really, it's so much fun. I mean, the farmers and the people who are doing these kinds of projects are really passionate and excited and engaging, and they really want to make sure that you have a great time. So I would just say flip through the book, and whatever catches your eye, just go and do it. I really think you can't go wrong. We should just say that um, the book doesn't just cover edibles. It also covers Christmas trees and other things like that. Christmas tree farms, wineries, working cattle ranches where you can spend the night, um, pumpkin patches, I mean, dairies, all sorts of places where you can go and have a good time. Well, we are getting right towards the end of the show, jo- Jody. Um, but I, th- I think this is the sort of book um, that really can, can be used for so many different ways in s- for almost any state because if, with the map and anybody that's going to Georgia would have a, a riot find, finding out just all the wonderful things that you have included in this book for farm markets and things like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to have to leave it there because we are right at the end of the show. But I want to thank everyone for listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show this morning. Thank you, Jody. You have been a great guest this morning. Good luck with the book. Um, thank you to Bonnie's Plants for supporting us this morning. We will be back next week with another show talking all about growing veggies. Have a good gardening week, everyone, and join me back here next Saturday. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.